Hello, it's Paul Scott here, Small Caps commentator, um, writer of the Small Cap Valley Reports on Stockopedia.com. Usually um, with Graham Neary, my co-writer, but this week Roland Head stood in so that Graham could have a week off. And I have to say, Roland's an absolute pleasure to work with, as is Graham. And um, he produced some excellent um, stuff, I thought, really nice in-depth reviews of about two companies each day and then I normally do three four or five reviews myself some in depth some less so so uh, it's a bit of an institution now it could have been going 10 or 11 years and we still thoroughly enjoy doing them so long may it continue I hope so okay um, I'm recording this on Saturday 17th of June 2023 I should say Massive apologies for the terrible sound quality last week in part two. I've done so, I bought a couple of new microphones, I've experimented with them, but I think actually one of the readers said it's probably not your microphone, Paul, it's probably the the capacity of your your PC, you know, the, um, it's overloading the PC. So anyway, I've, I'm recording this on a different computer that's just had Windows reinstalled and I've closed all the other windows, so I'm hoping, I've test, done some test recordings and the sound quality is fine. So fingers crossed it all works okay. Right, okay, on to Monday 12th of June 2023's Small Cap Valley Report. Roland looked at iDocs. And uh, which is IDOX, um, a software group that's been around donkey's years. It used to have a terrible balance sheet, but it's not so bad now. Um, <clears throat> seems to be performing quite well. Shares run changed at 69p. Oh, I think that was that was a backlog item, so it must have been from the previous week. Anyway, uh, um, Roland Zamba on iDocs, and he also looked at Renewy. This is a recycling thing, um, quite a big company actually in Europe. I remember I looked at it a, a few years ago, Renewy, R-W-I. The, uh, it's, it's quite interesting because they have access to cheap capital through bonds which are sort of ESG. Uh, because it's a, re- uh, a recycling company, you know, it's able to raise sort of uh, green bond f- finance at favourable rates. But that was in a zero interest rate environment. So I don't know what Renewy is currently paying on on its debt. So that will be a, a key thing to look at. Uh, Roland Zamber on, on Renewy as well. So see, see Monday the 12th of June's report for more details on those two. Now, I started the week by dropping a clangor, I'm afraid. Uh, NETW is a company called Network International. It's actually a mid-cap. Um, it's, it does payment services in the Middle East and Africa, and it's quite a rapid growth, high margin business. Well, anyway, um, I thought the bid talks were off because CVC, and uh, it was in a consortium with Francisco Partners, uh, was meant to be bidding for it, but they announced they were pulling out. So I thought, oh, well, that's that's the deal off. What I didn't know is that, and thanks very much to B&B, one of our brilliant regular um, reader commenters, who pointed out that Brookfield, another firm, had already uh, had put a higher bid in at four 400 pence, which I didn't spot, unfortunately. So that was a bit of a clangor. So I quickly edited the article. If you ever see anything wrong, we don't make many mistakes, but if we do make a mistake... Do flag it up in the reader comments and we'll quickly correct it. Um, you know, the important thing is getting it right, not um, sort of uh, not being embarrassed about making the occasional mistake. We don't make many, as I say. So next I looked at AO World, AO Dot. Now, this has got such a nice chart.
chart, I have to say. The chart looks fantastic on this. It's just one of those lovely sort of um, <clears throat> oscillating but very clear upward trend. So I can see why people might be buying it on the on the, on the the chart trend. Now, someone else who's been bought, who's bought into it in a big way is Mike Ashley, Fraser's. What isn't he buying <laughs> is the, what everybody's saying. He's bought 19% of AO World. Oh, I should say it's obviously an online electricals firm which has a big market share in the UK now but it's never really made any money so we don't think it's a very good business at all we think it's a pretty marginal business um Uh, But anyway, uh, Fraser's has bought 19% of it and announced a um, sort of cooperative partnership of some kind uh, between the two companies. So, you know, obviously, you know, Mike Ashley sees some value in AO World. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if these shares keep going up, actually. It's just in a very, very good uptrend, but it's not a very good business. So I'm not interested. I'd much rather... I think Mark's Electrical, a smaller online uh, electrical e-commerce business is much much better uh it makes a higher margin doesn't have all the balance sheet liabilities related to um extended warranties which ao has on its on its balance sheet potential ticking time bomb there i think if there's a you know a mis-selling scandal ao's had it uh and ao ran pretty close to the wind and had to do a placing not long ago so um it's just not very good uh, mark's electrical much much better that's mrk but it's too expensive um the trouble with these electrical retailers as well they've got no pricing power have they because they're just shifting other people's gear and it's a race to the bottom on price uh everyone shops around online you know if you're buying a bosch washing machine and you particularly like that model you're just going to google it aren't you and find out where it's cheapest so i don't know I, it's just not I, I, unless you've got really really strong growth in one of those companies and you're making decent margins which actually Mark's Electrical makes an OK margin, uh, and it's growing strongly. So I think Mark's Electrical is much more interesting than AO. But there we go. Um, <clears throat> I should say as well, to be fair, the, AO, the the broker forecasts at AO World have been rising, but only barely above break-even for the current year. Anyway, it's not very good, but the shares might go up. Now, another pretty rubbish company I looked at was Staffline, S-T-A-F. This is the blue-collar staffing agency. Um negligible margins they say they're trading in line with expectations for calendar 2023 so it was an okay announcement i've rated it amber stroke red oh sorry we're not meant to say rated because it's not really a rating it's just an opinion it's how i view it you know so it's an opinion um <clears throat> in line with expectations says it's going to be an h2 weighting which is, is historical norm plenty of liquidity uh, mindful of macroeconomic headwinds, but everybody's saying that, aren't they? I've said, just said here it's not a very good business. Tiny profit margin, which nearly all comes from adjustments. Weak balance sheet. I cannot see what why anybody would uh, get involved with Starfline shares, particularly now recruiters are starting to report softer trading. Futura Medical I looked at, FUM. Now, one of the readers castigated me for being dismissive about the product, but I have mystery shopped uh, this product. I'm not going to start off uh, all the innuendo that normally comes from this because um, of what the product is. But anyway, it got FDA approval and the shares went up 24% to 53p. It's just an over-the-counter cream for erectile dysfunction. Anyway, I have mystery shopped it and it didn't do a damn thing. And if you look on Boots' um, website, 
lots and lots of the reviews are the same. They say it doesn't do anything, don't waste your money. So I think when you have such a high number of negative reviews and you've tried the product yourself and it doesn't work, doesn't do anything, not even a tingle, uh, I think there's a big question mark over this. So I'm highly sceptical about Futura Medical. Uh, next, I look at Learning Technologies, LTG. This is an interesting one. It put out an AGM statement, 780 million market cap. I've, I view this amber stroke green. Now, why do we have uh, a, a, a hybrid view like that? What we're basically saying, it, we're amber because it's probably not trading that well, or there's nothing particularly exciting about it in the short term, but green because we see it as a good, uh, a good you know, it's a good quality company longer term. This is the, the, the thing that does digital learning and, and talent management, it says, whatever that is. Uh, yes, uh, this update. Now, the shares have dropped a lot. They're down to 99p, and I think at that level, this is quite interesting value. Historically, it's been rate, rated as, a, you know, an exciting growth share but the PE on learning technologies is now down to only 11 and a half, 11 and a half. so if sentiment improves again I think you could get um, um, a re-rating of that one now I'm not keen on the balance sheet it's weak um, net tangible asset value is negative 135 million but it's one of those businesses where it doesn't obviously it's not a capital intensive business online learning it's generating a lot of cash, so it can operate fine with a fair bit of debt. But I would much rather have a cash-rich balance sheet with with strong net tangible asset value because it gives you that buffer, it's that cushion. If things go wrong, you don't have to worry about bank covenants and so on. So overall, I think LTG might be worth you having a closer look at. But see my report on Monday 12th of June, where I've covered, I think hopefully, fairly the bull and the bear points. Okay, next one, Oxford Metrics, OMG. This is one of my favourite shares. I see last week's reports, I think it was, where I went through the results, which were really good. Uh, Tremendous growth there, nearly half the market cap in net cash. Now, the reason I posted about it again this week is because I I watched the Investor Meet Company webinar. I love webinars. I watch as many as I can to just get a feel for who management are, how do they talk? How do they interact? And, you know, often you get extra colour from uh, questions asked. And, you know, the, the private investors who submit questions are really, really switched on. You know, always excellent questions. And lots of companies tell me that. They say the questions they get from private investors are just as uh, incisive and pertinent as the questions from institutions. So uh, I think companies generally have been pretty impressed with uh, their interactions with private investors, which is good, because all too often they look at the ADVFN bulletin board and think we're all um, certifiable and hurling abuse at each other all the time, whereas, of course, that's very much a subset of the investor community, and that's what happens if you don't moderate bulletin boards. It just turns to to trash the lowest common denominators uh, prevail, unfortunately. Anyway, I really like Oxford Metrics, OMG. Um, <clears throat> they do the main business is high end cameras, really high end cameras for the entertainment industry, um, and um, I think like maybe life sciences. I'm not sure, but anyway, um, I've posted up my notes from the Investor Meet comp- Company webinar, and I I feel. Uh, even more positive about Oxford Metrics after seeing management in action. They they look like really down-to-earth, switched-on entrepreneurs. That's all I look for. I don't care about their background, whether they're posh or 
or you know not or where they're from or anything nothing else matters uh, are they switched on down to earth entrepreneurs that's all I want and I think they are I think the, the CEO comes across as really smart at Oxford metrics so I think that's very backable I'd like to buy some at some point now um Roland have I mentioned this already oh, yes I have sorry let's press pause the reader comments section is coming alive again. I'm delighted. I did ask in the last couple of weeks' podcast to, for people to come out from under their kitchen tables or their bunkers and, and do do start commenting on the, on the small cap value reports because I love the reader comments and often they add as much or more value than the main report, particularly where people are sector experts. So I'm delighted that people have responded to that request and we've got some really good, interesting comments. I love this one here from someone called Trader Weeks who said they were touring around Romania on a motorbike uh, a few weeks ago, listening to my podcasts. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? As Count Arthur Strong would say, my testicles spread far and wide. <laughs> I love Count Arthur Strong with his... Mal- is it malapropisms? Anyway... Isn't that great to hear? Uh, people listening to my podcast, touring around Romania. Great stuff. Uh, now, OMG, I reached out to the company Oxford Metrics to ask the CEO if he'd do an interview with me. But unfortunately, I've not heard anything back. I left a voicemail. So um, I might chase them one more time. But, you know, I'm offering them free PR. So if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. You know, that's just the way it is sometimes. Um, what else have we got here in the comments? Uh... I think that's most of them. Oh, some somebody chastised me for saying that the future or a medical product doesn't work. Um, uh, well, that's my opinion after trying it, as I mentioned. Um, what else? Oh, yes, uh, eParo posts something, uh, an interesting link to a website called Trueflation, which uh, I had a quick look at. looks interesting. I don't know about the background of the people on there, but they, it looks pretty sensible. Um, and it's trying to work out what the real rate of inflation is in the UK, and they reckon it's 13.3%, not 8.7%. It depends, doesn't it, on the basket of goods and services that you include. And what the readers were saying here in this discussion is that the UK's methodology for for, for, for calculating inflation is out of date. Uh, uh, the, the way I look at it is everybody's got their own individual rate of inflation, depending what you spend your money on. And you can you can adapt and change the products you buy, which I'm very much doing at the moment, to reduce my personal level of inflation. So, you know, I go to the supermarket and I'll, I'll want to spend X amount of money and I'll shop the special offers and buy chicken instead of steaks and things, you know, so you can you can manage, you, you don't buy the same baskets of good goods every week necessarily. Um, but obviously inflation's hitting the poorest people the hardest because food and energy are the two biggest constituents of inflation and that will be a big chunk of your income if you're relatively poor, unfortunately. So really tough. Oh, I've got to say as well, shame on the co-op. My favourite pizza that used to be a pound, it went up to pound ten. Fair enough, 10% increase, I don't have a problem with that. I looked at it last night, this is the small pepperoni pizza, frozen one. pound eighty. One pound come from one pound ten to one pound eighty. Well you can get stuffed the co-op. I'm not gonna buy it, you know. And one of our brilliant regulars, R.D. Howarth, who posts fabulous stuff, he's saying uh, could be some fun games this morning in large O'Day positions. This is the hedge fund that's being shut down in rather grim circumstances, and he lists them here. REA Holdings, Ox- Oxford Biomedics, Advanced Oncotherapy, 
Helios Underwriting, Pendragon, Conduit Holdings, Crystal Amber Fund, Plus 500, Fraser's, Jet 2, and so on. Now, actually, I took advantage of this. I did see some of those dip down, um, presumably with O'Day offloading or other people anticipating that, and I bought a few Pendragon, PDG. That spiked down, I think, probably on O'Day selling. So I think I got it in at them at a good price. Sometimes when you see a small cap fund being wound up, there can be good opportunities to buy where you've got a forced or semi-forced seller. So thanks for the, posting that, RD Howe. That's really useful. And that, I think, is where we think the AO World stake came from that um, that uh, O'Day held, which um, Mike Ashley snapped up of Fraser's. Right, on to Tuesday, 13th of June. Um, Roland looked at CMC Markets. The ticket is CMCX. This is one of the spread betting firms. And now it dropped 5% to £1.60 um, on publication of FY23 results. I think I might see if I can persuade Graham and Roland to include the month and the year when they say FY23, because I'm I'm not certain what the year end is. So maybe it's March. There were quite a few March 23 year-ends being reported at the moment. Now, the results are in line, Roland says, and he quite likes it. He's gone green on this one. Um, I've looked at at CMC before, and it looks looks good, good value, I think. Although, obviously, they're they're, they're feast or famine, the spread bet firms, Um, and they do have to recruit new clients all the time because people drop out who uh, um, have had heavy trading losses, as I did last year. I decided to close both my spread betting accounts. I've made a fortune from them over the years, but unfortunately, you know, I tend to give it all back when there's a nasty market downturn. Um, So it's too volatile. Anyway, Tatton Asset Management, TAM, Roland looked at, and he likes that one. Now, I looked at IOMART, I-O-M, I've gone from green to amber on this one. It's a uh, a cloud computing company. We did flag it up at £1.21 in April, but it's risen very sharply when we went green on it. I went green on it then, so I thought it was good value on P of about 11. But it's gone up to £1.66 now, so it's risen by about, what's that, about a third. Um, <clears throat> so I don't see it as such good value now um, on about 15 times. So accordingly, I've shifted from green to amber on IOMART. Uh, it looks a decent company, though. Nice recurring revenues, good cash generation. So it's 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 doing that lovely thing where it's paying reasonably good divvies and funding bolt-on acquisitions. But I just don't know enough about the cloud computing space to want to uh, get involved there. Now, here's an interesting one I had a look at. Interim results from Driver, DRV. This is a minnow thing, tiny thing, up 1% to 18 million. It's uh, an international consultancy in the construction work. It seems to be uh, focused on dispute prevention and dispute negotiation and resolution. Quite an interesting niche. But there's been quite a few problems in the past. Now, I like the fact that it's got a terrific balance sheet with lots of uh, plenty of cash, 5 million net cash. For a company only valued at 18 million, that's not bad. The H1 results are improved, profits up nicely, but still very, very small. It's not completely clear that the turnaround has worked particularly well there. Um, <clears throat> and the reason I haven't gone green on it is because I would have gone green on it, but the outlook put me off for driver. The outlook comments really was flagging that they're probably they're suggesting a profit warning and reduced forecasts are in the pipeline. So I'd rather get that washed through the system and then look at it fresh once we know, um, you know, and that suggests it's probably not going to be much above break even. 
really. So I've lo- it's been listed of many, many years driver has, and it's it doesn't make sustainably reliable profits. I just don't think it's a very good business, and I can't see why it's listed. You know, they could probably save half a million a year in costs by delisting, so it, surely it would make more sense to just be a, a private company. I think somebody might bid for driver, so, you know, if it was something I, I, I already held, I think I'd sit tight on them. But I'm not motivated to buy any at the moment. I'll wait. I'll sit, I'll sit and watch and wait on that one. Now, I looked at <coughs> Vionet, V-N-E-T, and I'm sorry to say I was really not impressed at all with the final results. They quote EBITDA and adjusted operating profit figures, which look great, about three million profit or something, but they're not real because it capitalises so much development cost, two million last year, one point seven million this year, and you've got other finance costs. When you take those off, it's it's barely it's barely above break even. Um there's only three million net tangible asset value as well, so not much in the way of asset backing. Small amount of net debt, I don't think that's a problem. But the other thing is Sencos has absolutely slashed the forecasts by two thirds for the current year, which is March twenty twenty four. They've dropped it from five point three P earnings to only one point eight six pence earnings. So why this thing is valued at eighty five P, I do not know. I can't get to a valuation anywhere near that. I, you know, I like the the chairman of the company. I think he's done a good job over the years. It was a nice dividend cash cow in the past. Um but you know they keep drawing to the, all these growth areas they keep coming up with. It does the brew lines business. That's the beer beer flow monitoring um, thing. But of course the number of pubs is reducing every year, uh, and um, you know it's it's that brew lines thing is just a cash cow. But all their other growth areas in vending and so on. I mean it. They never really seem to get anywhere with the other growth areas and the international expansion. You know, they've been promising great things. God knows how many years I've been following this, and it's always jam tomorrow, jam tomorrow. While it was paying 5% divvies, that was fine. You know, you got you got your cash and so on, but it hasn't actually generated any cash this year or last year. So I'm actually increasingly sceptical on Vionet, and I think 46 times earnings is ludicrous. It's not a very good business, I'm afraid. OK, I think that's everything for Tuesday. Yeah, interesting reader comments on Tuesday. Again, the O'Day Funds uh, fiasco is being discussed for the false selling there. Um, somebody's saying here, where is it, that uh, a company, they saw a large cross, cross trade in Conduit Holdings, CRE, which was the O'Day holding being um, sold. And then we've got more discussions about that. Somebody's laughing about the fact that he sh- sh- apparently Crispin O'Day was um, short on Metro Bank, so he's having to close his shorts, apparently. And then Oxford Biodynamics, OBD, uh, excuse me, that one's the share price tanked from 14p to 9p, which Boone has flagged up. Again, O'Day was the largest shareholder there with 18%. And he, interestingly, was, I think, the cornerstone investor in a fundraise in Oxford Biodynamics last year, which was done at a big premium. And I, because of that, I actually bought a few, but then I sold them a few months later when I could see that it needed to raise more cash. And, of course, now O'Day won't be there to do another... to backstop another fundraise. So that, that I think, has um, caused problems for Oxford Biodynamics. Interesting little company, though, but I'm not going to go near it until it's refinanced. Oh, a reader, who's this? Um, MJFGS points out very helpfully that uh, Peter Crudus owns 59% of CMC markets, and we don't like um, 
share holdings that large uh, after the iEnergizer fiasco. Um, okay, I think that's everything for Tuesday. Oh, I must also thank Ben Hazard, who's written, um, put a very interesting report up, uh, post up. This was the chap, I think, who did uh, a write-up about using artificial intelligence to research how busy revolution bars, I hold that one, sites might be. And he's written up, I haven't read it all, this latest post, but it's very interesting. And um, he got 141 thumbs ups, which I think is more than the main report got. So I shall have to circle back to that post from Ben and read that. But thank you, Ben. Obviously, we love it when people post things that, um, uh, you know, the readers like. So more more posts from Ben Hazard, please. Oh, I should also add that Wolf of Small Street, <laughs> good name, uh, has been posting some really good stuff as well about his investing experiences. I always assume it's a he, unless uh, was it, it is. We need, we, as I always say, we need more women, don't we, in the investment world. Um, so we have to try and not get too laddish uh, with the discussions, I think, which we're all maybe a little bit guilty of every now and again. Oh, just something to flag up to you here that I didn't get round to looking at, which I wanted to look at, is a company called BP Marsh. The ticket is BPM. Now, it caught my eye, but some readers were discussing it in the reader comments on Tuesday. Uh, But also, I noticed that the shares hit an all-time high this week. Now, that's a good sign, isn't it? Something really good must be going on. Uh, 141 million market cap, very high stock rank of 88 um, low PE, but it's an investment company. It's trading below net asset value. And it says here that it's a specialist investor in early stage and growing financial services intermediary businesses. So, oh dear, that put me off a bit. I think it's going to take me too long to research this, so I didn't get round to it. But it looks very interesting. So have a look. If you've got some spare time, have a look at BP Marsh and then tell me what you think about it. I'd love to outsource that work to um, some of the readers <laughs> because it looks quite complicated. Investment companies really need a lot of time to do and in the small cap value reports we've only really got time to do quick reviews uh, an hour to an hour and a half really on each company maximum which I don't think would be enough but yeah I like the look of BP Marsh and it looks like it's owner managed as well but somebody called BP Marsh owns 40% of it. <laughs> Right, I'll try and speed up a bit, because I'm aiming for about 40, 45 minutes max. Because last week was crazy at over an hour. Right, on to Wednesday, 14th of June, 2023. Oh dear, we got a profit warning from one of my favourites, uh, Robert Walters, RWA. This is a nice uh, £301 million pound um staffing business i think it's a good quality business the readers like it as well but it's it's dropped 14 percent to four pound two so not really a particularly bad drop for a profit warning i looked at it before the market opened it's always nerve-wracking putting up my thoughts before 8 a.m because of course you cannot end up with egg on your face when the market does something you're not expecting but uh, usually i i get it right and i said here that uh, it is a profit warning but um uh you know i think that the shares are going to drop today but i think it's a fundamentally sound business actually i was expecting it to drop more than it did i thought it would go into the high 300s but it dropped about four pounds and seemed to find buyers there and i think it ended the week um 
up off the lows, which I think is quite a good sign, isn't it? When you don't get that much of a drop on a profit warning, you know, normally it's 30%, isn't it? A drop on a profit warning, or 50% if it's a really bad profit warning. Well, Robert Walters only dropped 14%, so that I think is quite encouraging, actually. And it closed the week at £4.6. It tried to rally, but but didn't. Uh, forward PE of 10 now, I think that's on reduced forecast. Dividend yield of 5.6%. Lovely strong balance sheet, so you don't have to worry about solvency with Robert Walters. I think it depends entirely on your time frame now. They're basically saying, you know, the market's softer than they expected in Q2 for, for staffing. It's international, Robert Walters is. Um, mostly Europe and Asia rather than UK, I think. Um, so, and of course the share price has already come down a lot, so... Um, I think we're getting to a point with quite a few companies where the market's really anticipating reduced profits. The broker forecasts are anticipating reduced profits. So there's probably not that much downside from here unless we go into a really severe economic slump. Oh, good. I can see the Stockopedia consensus figures have updated. And, yeah, earnings for the current year, which is 2023, forecast dropped from 50p down to 33p. Yeah, that's a big drop, isn't it? A third lower. So your PE now has actually gone up, hasn't it? Um, on the current year, PE is about 12. So, yeah, that is quite a significant disappointment, actually, isn't it? So I'm holding back. I'm not buying any any staffing companies just yet, but I want to at some point. But it's very difficult to time the market, isn't it? Now, MotorPoint, M-O-T-R, this dropped 4% to pound twenty. This is the car supermarket thing with about, I don't know, 15 or 20 sites. I love the business model of car supermarkets. You just rent or buy a big piece of land out on an industrial estate or something like that. And you just buy loads of nearly new cars, um, sell them for a, a few hundred quid profit margin on each one, and just ram through the volume volume, and make a bit of money on on commissions from finance as well i think it's 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 there's a, a big place in the market for car supermarkets i think but the trouble is they they've got a lot of american investors in motorpoint who are pushing management to just go for growth rather than profitability so it's only really trading around break even I don't think that matters that much, actually, with this one. And with the market cap, I think it dropped further as the week went on. Let's have a quick look. On results day, it was pound twenty down 4%. Uh, yeah, and it ended the week down pound five. So it just continued falling. Uh, market cap's now £94 million. You can't You can't value it on a PE basis. But the, the, the point is that the revenue is heading towards £2 billion. Pounds. So, you know, you only need one or two points on the margin and um, profit margin and you've got a very nice uh, profitable valuable business so I think that's one to watch at some point I'm probably going to dip my toe in with Motorpoint MOTR but I'm not quite ready yet now what who's this oh Roland looked at castings we love castings CGS it makes um, yeah it's a nicely profitable a very strong balance sheet British-based um, iron foundry business that makes castings, as the name suggests, things like turbocharger housings. Uh, we've had a good discussion on this, both in Roland's report and in the reader comments. I still like this uh, a lot. It's performing well. Now the semiconductor shortages are clearing. And so customers, the truck manufacturers, are ordering more products. So, yeah, Castings looks in a good place. Very conservatively run, family-run business. We like that one. Mark's Electrical, oh, I talked about that earlier. So I looked at the preliminary results here. The uh, This is the the, the online um, 
electrical goods retailer that I think is very nicely run by keen entrepreneurial management who grew a big big stake in the company too high though the founder's got 74 percent that's much too high uh, and the valuation's too high but in all other respects i like not electrical but it does have those two downside factors um I, i've said here i around 70p is what i'd pay for it it's 95p at the moment it's too expensive so i declined to buy it i've made a quick comment on spectra systems spsy this weird niche business that does bank banknote cleaning machines yes that is a thing i didn't just make it up and um various other interesting projects and contracts in the pipeline it's been a mystery share here previously i remain green on spectra systems Uh, now it's put a minor update here about two contracts um it's not price sensitive though because they were already within the financial plan but as they say here spectra says it, it solidifies our expectations for the full year well that's nice because that's telling you it's less and less likely that there's going to be a profit warning which i think investors will like finally i looked at mnc sarchi the famous uh, marketing advertising agency saa uh very interesting share this one it is down 9% to £1.58 on a a slightly wobbly trading update, but they do say, despite tough market conditions, they're expecting to deliver year-on-year headline growth in profit before tax and in the operating profit margin. Uh, and it's achieved that with high, yeah higher margins and cost savings, are helping to mitigate. Um, uh, but they're saying a significant H2 weighting. So, I don't know, I can't help the feeling that they've kind of PR'd this... As, as a, they PR spun, you know, a, a positive line on what's basically a mild profit warning, I think. So, again, I'm watching with interest, but from the sidelines with Saatchi. And the, some readers very helpfully reminded us of the takeover bid approaches it's had. Finally, I looked at Severfield, SFR, the structural steel company. This is trading really, really well. April 2023 results and a strong order book and good outlook. Uh, P is only 79 uh, you get divvies as well, 5.1%. My obvious worry with this is the longer-term outlook. You know, with much, much higher interest rates, will there be so many uh, big commercial projects, commercial building projects? I don't know. So it is a question mark. Just, to me, feels the wrong point in the cycle to be buying a structural steel company. Having seen uh, what happened to it in previous recessions, you know, just look at the share price in 2008 to nine to see what, what happens when you get a really proper uh, recession and withdrawal of credit. Frontier Developments, I also looked at FDEV, that's down 8% to 5.37p a share. This is a computer games company. Graham normally looks at this, so have a look at Graham's previous reports on that i can see why it's it's had problems the share price has dropped a hell of a lot but both graham and i think there might be something potentially interesting there with frontier developments that's for you to decide so have a look at it if you invest in computer games companies Right, on to Thursday, the 15th of June. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful update from Warpaint London, W7L. We absolutely love this share. This is the uh, makeup brands. Uh, uh, W7, I think, is is its brand as well as its ticker. And um, Technic, I think with a K, is its other brand. Uh, It's really, really simple, the investment case here. The products are good. 
customers so customers are buying more of them and that means the retailers then order more and roll it out to more and more stores and the strategy has changed at Warpaint it's now a very very good strategy where they target the major multiple retailers internationally as well so I think um, now 19% oh sorry I didn't mention did I significantly ahead of expectations trading update they're trading their socks up off 45% organic growth is brilliant um, so far this year and good margins as well so broker forecasts have been increased 19% for calendar 2023 I think you know it's just repeatedly beating forecasts uh, it's 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 in a great sweet spot I really why I didn't buy any of these thing, things I do not know because I've been raving about it here for a long time but I'm afraid you know what I put my own money into is all all rather Scatty, I'm afraid. I'm not disciplined or structured in how I manage my own portfolio at all. I'm just, you know, unfortunately, I've got the wrong personality for investment, really. But never mind. Um, I wish I'd bought some wall paint. I will do at some point. Anyway, uh, I was concerned that the valuation was getting too high. A 19% hike in broker forecasts removes that worry. So I think um, it's £2.88 now. Obviously, people are going to take some profits, aren't they? But I think as a long-term hold, I think wall paint looks very, very good. Now, I looked at the trading statement from ASOS, ASC, the troubled, uh, very large e-commerce fashion business mainly selling other people's brands on low margins, never really made any profit. It's down over 90% um, from the peak, when it was worth $5 billion, I think. An amazing share, roller coaster ride. Um, it's a complicated update. It seems to be trying to say there are signs of improvement, but it's in a way it's what they don't say that worries me. I think it's still in a lot of trouble, this business, ASOS. But you've got Mike Ashley stake building. He's up to about 10% now. Uh, <clears throat> I think it could go either way. I honestly don't know how this is going to pan out. It'll be fascinating. It is tempting to have a little punt on it, but it is quite high risk, actually. Surprisingly high risk. Somebody might bid for it. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, who looked at GB Group? Oh, Roland did. This is another former high flyer that's down a lot. Dropped 10% to £2.55. It, it um, you know, um, March 2023 results Roland looked at. He's, uh, he thinks they might have overpaid for recent acquisitions. There's a big impairment charge. And it, he also questions, is it going X growth? So, But there are, we, we, there are good qualities of the business GB Group as well. It does um, <clears throat> authentic, authentication of uh, personal identities for, you know, for when people apply for credit cards and that sort of thing. Uh, interesting business. Um, became a mid-cap, but it's back into our territory now at £645 million market cap. Could be worth a look. Norcross, Roland looked at... I think he was a little bit harsh on this. This is the bathroom fittings group that's had an, an effective um, acquisition strategy. March 2023 results, always really, really cheap, the shares are. Uh, Roland um, uh, talked about the pension fund in quite a lot of detail, and it is a big pension fund, still sucking cash out of the business. I don't think it's as big an issue as Roland said um but that's just you know difference of emphasis really he's amber on it personally i'd probably be amber stroke green on norcross i think it's it's so cheap and it's not a bad business one of the readers i think actually flagged china risk because it gets all the product from china so you know if you if you get uh it seems to be inevitable that taiwan's going to be invaded by china at some point 
all bets are off when that happens for everything, but I particularly wouldn't want to be investing in companies that are sourcing pretty much all the product from China, which a lot of companies do, you know, a lot of them do. So I think that's something we should bear in mind, actually, as a risk factor. Also, the South African subsidiary at Norcross, I think, is about 40% of the business. It's a big chunk of it. But I don't... If I remember correctly, the CEO, when I interviewed him, said it doesn't send any cash to the UK. It's all reinvested in South Africa. So I I can't really really see the point in that, personally. But anyway, now I had a look at Pubs Group, Fuller, Smith & Turner. Looks very expensive, but the outlook was strikingly strong. Like for like, trading is now up in, this would be in April, May and June, is up 13%. So people are spending in pubs again. And Fuller Smith and Turner's pubs are nice pubs from the ones I've visited. I've been to the Counting House in London, and they're also benefiting from, you know, more and more people going back into the office in in London. Really good balance sheet with lots of freehold property, which management say is worth, I think, about double um, book value because it's in at cost. Although I do question the book value of pubs because, you know, if the pubs are not real, they're hardly making any money. That's the trouble with Fuller Smith and Turner. Very, very modest profitability. For a business worth eight, valued at eight hundred million, it's you know the profits are lamentable, but it is forecast to see substantial increases in profitability, which it needs to deliver to come anywhere near to justifying the market cap. I think so. I'm a bit sceptical about pubs groups. I think it'll take them several years to rebuild their profits, and the market I think is anticipating too much of that. At the smaller end, with I'm in two of them: Revolution Bars, RBG, and. Uh, XP Factory, XPF, I really like both of those. This is my second and third largest holdings. Although I'm a bit nervous about Revolution Bars, as I've mentioned before. It's got too much debt. But, um, you know, uh, you could see some nice upside from those if they... uh, if they if the next trading updates from those are strong, well, XP Factory is trading well. It said so in the last update. It said Q1 it, it was ahead of expectations, but the market ignored it. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that's it for Thursday. Let's press pause. Yes, there we are. That's recording again. Right, Friday, Friday 16th of June. I was quite pleased with this report. I did it on my own, as I do on Fridays, and I covered five companies in reasonable depth, so I'm quite pleased about that. I think that was a good report. I was happy with that. Got 109 thumbs-ups, which uh, is not bad. Uh, I completely disorientated everybody by starting off by looking at Tesco. <laughs> 19 billion market cap in a small cap report. <laughs> <laughs> I think that triggered one or two uh, of the readers. Sorry about that. But it only took me 10 minutes to whip through a very short Q1 trading update for the 13 weeks to 27th of May. Um, now, like for like sales at Tesco up 8.2%. So that's pretty much in line with inflation, isn't it? Uh, well, actually, no, food inflation's 19%. So um, it's, it's uh, you know, there's obviously been some volume decreases there, I would imagine. Um but it says here, I th- this is why I think it's of, of interest but for wider read across. Tesco says there are encouraging early signs that inflation is starting to ease. Very interesting, and that's very helpful. And it also reiterates its guidance, its profit guidance for the full year. So not too bad. And it, and it provides a helpful footnote here. Uh, um, and the bank is quite a big operation at Tesco. That's expected to make an operating profit of 130 to 160 million. Quite interesting, isn't it? So it's a, it's a big supermarkets group and with 27% UK market share and a bank. Uh, I don't invest in, in supermarkets myself, so it's not really of interest to me. Next, I looked at Mears, and I'm green on this. I think it looks very good. Um, 
excellent trading update. Now, this is the facilities management company. I think it's housings, services to the housing sector in the UK, MERS, M-E-R, is the ticker. 290 million market cap. The shares rose on the day because it was a very nice update. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Continued strong up momentum. And then it says... Full year profits to be materially ahead of current market expectations. Great stuff. You don't really expect that in the current macro situation, do you? The only my only criticism of Mears is that the update didn't tell us why it's suddenly trading ahead of uh, expectations. Um, and the uh, the broker forecasts. Oh no, I couldn't find any in this case, which is annoying. But materially ahead usually means at least ten percent ahead, doesn't it, on profitability? And it looks like the news leaked as well, so a bit naughty. I think um, obviously some insiders were insider dealing at Mears because it was rising strongly before uh, the market was told that it was trading ahead of expectations. For you know that's annoying. Um, you know, these updates have got to be more timely, uh, particularly if the share price start, starts rising. It means somebody's figured out that they're going to be doing better than expected. Now, one of the readers, I forget who it was, but thank you to them, responded to my query as to why Mears is doing better than expected. And the reader found something in the annual report saying that it was doing very well from providing accommodation for asylum seekers. Uh, which is, and then we had quite an interesting discussion of that. Thankfully, keeping out of the politics, we don't want to do the politics and the small cap value reports if we can avoid it. Uh, so well done for everyone for steering away from that. But anyway, I think as most of us agree, uh, you know, given given the uh, situation, it's unlikely that uh, contracts to house asylum seekers are likely to go go away any time soon. So that's probably good re- repeating business for. Them for, uh, what was it, Mears, wasn't it? Yeah, Mears. So, yeah, I've given it another thumbs up. I've been positive on Mears for the last six or seven months, at least. I think it's a a modest valuation. Um, It's got a very good dividend track record. The balance sheet's good. So, yeah, there's lots to like at Mears. I really like that. Here's an interesting one for you. I think I'm going to call this uh, a mystery share, actually. It's on Friday. A bit more high risk than I normally do. It's a very interesting turnaround company, um, that put out its results on Friday. So see Friday's report. As I say, not for widows and orphans, this one, but for Stockopedia subscribers, that only that is my mystery share for um, the week. So see Friday's report. It's the it's the company after Mears, basically. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Oh, I looked at Peel Hunt figures as well, P-E-E-L, notorious for their fantastic research, which we can't get hold of, because unfortunately, you know, they charge the institutions quite a substantial amount for it, so they're not going to give it away free to us, are they? So I can understand why it's it's hard to get hold of. It just annoys me that, you know, restricted um, distribution research uh, is benefiting from access to the company, because, of course, you know, brokers who write up these notes are, are in close contact with the FD, I would imagine, uh, that's what companies have told me anyway. Um, so they're getting privileged access and information from the company, but they're then only distributing it to a select audience, which is not right. That, to me, seems very uh, suspect. 
and probably against company law, actually, if there were to ever be a, a case to test it in court. But um, I don't suppose there will be. Uh, anyway, Peel Hunt's figures, obviously grim. You know, it's the profitability's crashed down to a, a very small loss. But, you know, we know that. You know, investment banks, brokers, they're, uh, the market's just dried up at the moment. So, to, to my mind, as long as they're not actually losing money, and they've got strong balance sheets, which Peel Hunt does, it's got a very nice balance sheet, uh, I've analyze that here and it supports most of the market cap so i think for for people who are brave and who can absorb and don't really care about short-term losses i would certainly say peel hunt would be a very nice uh, re- potential recovery share at some point but you might have to be uh, patient I've, I've quipped here it's another corked bottle from 2021's vintage ipos if, <laughs> you know they've been absolute you know they all crashed didn't they basically or nearly all 2021's ipos and that's helped kill the market for ipos you know these brokers got too greedy they floated a lot of junk at much too high prices and i think it'll take a long time for the ipo market to come back of course it will it always does um oh Traf, travis perkins tpk i looked at that trading update which was a small um a small a minor profit warning 1.7 billion market cap so well into mid cap territory i couldn't see any particular attraction in travis perkins shares on a on a quick initial review other than this of course is the business that span out wix the diy superstores wix now we had a very interesting debate about this in the reader comments basically there have been some reports and it's on twitter initially and it's gone into the mainstream papers as well that the uh, i think it's the operations manager appeared at some transsexual um transgender conference and made some loose-lipped comments, which uh, the company said had been taken out of context. And to be fair, it does look like that they have been, indeed, possibly been taken out of context. But to me, it just shows the danger. You know, companies have got to be so careful not to wade into a highly uh, toxic um, uh, row, stroke, debate. I think it's gone beyond debate. It's so sad that the feminists and the trans... Gender people are now at loggerheads. It didn't need to be like that, and it shouldn't have been like that. You know, with all these things, there's a middle ground, isn't there, where we can find compromise? But with social media being what it is, the two uh, groups are now poles apart and just hurling insults at each other, which is so, it's it's very upsetting, very sad. Um, but anyway, Wix has foolishly embroiled itself in that. Uh, yes, it does look as if the, the comments were taken out of context. I think I fired off my initial response was a bit too strident on that. Uh, but listening to the re- and reading the reader responses, I think it was very interesting. We managed to mainly stay off the whole topic itself because we're only I'm only in, um, the readers are only interested in how this affects the shares. And the trouble is, there's already now a boycott of Wix going on uh, on social media so it's going to harm their business now these boycotts generally don't last that long but look at what happened with bud light uh, with a with an extraordinarily uh, inept marketing um program that 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 caused billions worth of damage to to the company by alienating their core customers you know it's absolutely wrong for companies to latch onto some you know, highly controversial social or political or religious issue. Surely these cases are um, resonating in boardrooms around the the world. You know, for goodness sake, stay out of anything like this because where you're going to alienate your customers or some of them, you know, and I think, what was it, Tim Martin at Weatherspoons got 
heavily embroiled in the whole Brexit debate. Again, what did he do that for? I think you know that that must have damaged his business. It must have done. Um, doesn't seem to have done lasting damage. Because at the end of the day, cheap beer is cheap beer, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but I really do wish companies would just stay out of these controversies. Uh, stick to your knitting. Sell us goods and services. Don't try and moralise and virtue signal to us, please, because it'll only damage your business, which damages shareholder value. So I think I want to see a, re- a rethink at Wix, but unfortunately, because I was considering buying the shares, I'm not going to now because I think the business. I, I really question uh, management. Um, what management are doing there. I'm sure it's all very well intentioned uh, and their their statement said basically his re- remarks were taken out of context and obviously being gay myself I'm all for inclusion and diversity but I'm also I don't want to see it taken to extremes you know I don't want people people you, you know and I think the Wicks floats at Pride last year were very very inept you know they're getting stuck into the debate over you know, whether lesbians and gays, you know, should be linked to transsexual extremism or not. And what the hell is a DIY chain getting involved in that for? They really, really are getting this wrong. And I'm not going to buy shares in Wix whilst they are damaging their own business. So that's that. I didn't want it to get into a general back and forth on woke uh, as well, and I think one of the readers made a good point that uh, which I've taken on board, which is that woke means different things to different people. I had a had an interesting debate with some friends about this the other day, where uh, you know one of my friends said, "Yes, I'm woke. You know, I, unashamedly, I, I want society to be better, and I, I uh, admire and actually share the original." Um, uh, aims of woke, you know, that I want to live in a society where there's no homophobia and no racism. Absolutely, that's that's what we want. But um, I just think the way woke has spiralled out of control into cancel culture, you know, uh, uh, silencing people, intimidation, it seems to be all about control and uh, destroying freedom of speech. So I think it's gone badly wrong. Um, but anyway, we've we've... But I do want to recognise that I think a lot of the intentions behind it are very positive. It's just a pity that it's, uh, as I say, uh, gone quite badly wrong, I think. and isn't. So it's a dirty word to some people, it's a positive thing to some other people. So I don't think I'll use the word woke again in the reports, because it just means different things to different people, doesn't it? So, um, again, let's just find a nice happy compromise in the middle where, um, you know, where people, we can discuss these things. Oh, and finally, a reader, uh, James... Alistair said, oh, this reminds me of Gerald, Gerald, Gerald Ratner's famous comments about uh, his, his jewellery that uh, didn't last as long as a, a prawn sandwich. <laughs> well, that reminded me, I do want to recommend to you Gerald Ratner's audiobook, which he narrates himself of his uh, memoirs, which is a brilliant read. It's six and a half hours long, so quite manageable. I loved it. I listened to that uh, avidly when it first came out. And I've downloaded it again to have another listen to it. And in the foreword, this gives you a taste for Ratner's book. He says, people ask me, do I regret making that speech in 1991? Well, of course I bloody do, he says. (laughs) I lost my 600 grand a year job, wiped 500 million off Ratner's uh, market cap and I lost the only job I've ever wanted to, to, to do so that that gives you a flavour for uh, I hope my impression of him is accurate that gives it a really really good audiobook Gerald Ratner is it Gerard or Gerald oh I don't know Google will sort it out
Finally, just to say a big thank you to Mr. Contrarian, as always, for his brilliant early morning snapshot posts. They're, they're, I don't always understand his jokes, I have to say, but uh, when I do understand them, they're very amusing. Alan's got a great sense of humour. And thank you, as always, Alan, for posting those amazing um, snapshot uh, posts um, in the reader comments on my articles at Stockopedia. OK, I'll wrap it up there. 54 minutes, a bit longer than I wanted, but better than last week. <laughs> on to part two.